Aloha and welcome to Reflections on Interpretation, talking story with guides and interpreters, coming to you from our home on the Big Island of Hawaii. I am Tim Merriman, your host. Thanks for joining me and my guest today, Valeria Biasi. She's a guide and owner with Verona Tours in Verona, Italy. She recently attended one of our virtual certified interpretive guide courses, and we got acquainted a bit. Today, you're going to learn a lot more about her interesting journey in the interpretive profession. I am delighted to welcome Valeria Biasi from Verona, Italy, to our podcast today. Tim, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> oh, well, so good to see you again. And it's a beautiful day in Hawaii. What's it like in Verona, Italy, where you are? Well, January is very, very cold and still very dark. It's currently here. It's 7 p.m. So it's already very dark and you don't really want to go outside. Uh, but that's not the only reason why I'm with you here tomorrow to today, Tim. <laughs> I'm excited to be on your podcast. <laughs> well, that's great. We met just a few weeks ago in a mm -hmm. certified interpretive guide course. And then I believe you followed that up by taking one of Lisa's uh, Zoom-based interpretive planning courses. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have a tour company, Verona Tours. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Did you grow up in Verona? Yes, I'm a native of Verona. I was born here, born born and 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 raised in Verona. So I call myself a Veronese, a uh, hundred percent, mother and father, and that's really the place where I really that I saw changing in front of my eyes. I can say over the years, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. When you went, when you went to college, did is this what you dreamed you would be doing? Is this where you thought you were headed? When I was in college, already in high school, and to say, um, I had this love for the classics, you know, for as as we mentioned, you know, Latin and and Greek and um, history, art. I think I'm a very visual person. I really like uh, visual things, you know. They really speak to me. And also places, you know, they speak to me. When I was a little girl, my father, he used to, he actually bought an RV <laughs> very, very soon in the early 1980s, you know, and he would take us, I have a little sister, you know, and he would take us um, in very far away places you know like you imagine where Italy is you go you go west and so we would travel to Paris to the Netherlands you know uh, mostly it was summer holidays so typically in Italy we need to go to the beach you know we need to go to the seaside otherwise for Italians you know that's not the summer I don't know if you are familiar with that idea that um, Italians, they want to be at the beach uh, during the summer. So we would go maybe more on the south of France, to, to the south of France, you know, Provence and uh, Languedoc. And um, 
other places. And then to Barcelona, I've been there with my father many times, Madrid, you know, we went to Andalusia and Malaga and um, Seville and many Cadiz, many places, you know. Um, and then um, more often we would go east. So if you if you imagine Verona is in the north part of Italy, north part of the boot, close to of the boot that Italy, you know, Italy has the shape of a boot. So in the, in the upper part, you have Venice, you have Milan, and half the way between Milan and, and Venice, you find Verona, we are there. And so from there, we would travel, easily travel towards uh, former Yugoslavia, and Greece, you know, Greece has a lovely sea, as you know, there are many islands, you know, so we would put the RV on a ferry and go to islands like Crete or um, Mykonos, you know, or Naxos or Paros, you know, it's all Greek islands, or, you know, many times, many times, a couple of times, uh, my father drove us to to um, Istanbul. Oh, wow. Turkey and Cappadocia. How do you say, how do you say in English? Cappadocia, Cappadocia, anyway. Mm, it's near know. and to, yeah, to the, uh, the shores, you know, the, the beaches, you know, along the coast. In Turkey, we went to Ephesus. So my, my, my passion, you know, for art history, it was really fostered by my father. So I really owe, owe him a lot in this sense. Wonderful. And so I would say that I grew up in a mix of a lot of museums, a lot of churches, a lot of basilicas, a lot of art, a lot of colors, a lot of travel, a lot of adventures, you know. And then I studied uh, uh, these um, very, very formal classic things you know like in in high school and college and so it was like a natural out, output in a way it was a, a very natural way of going ahead you know with what I was interested in that was very clear I would tell you I've I've had the pleasure of spending a couple of weeks in Italy not very much mm -hmm. and uh, we were in Valdorcia, which is World Heritage okay. Valley, and oh, stayed yes. in San Quirico and mm -hmm. um, enjoyed the magnificent food of Tuscan. That is, that is Tuscany. Yeah, right. it's Tuscany. It's the beautiful. Most, the most popular part of Italy, I would say, among the Americans. Yeah. Yeah, and I've spent time in France, and I lived in uh, Spain for a summer, so I've seen much of what you did there. But I grew up in a little town in Illinois, and literally hmm. had no sense of any of that. Um, as, as I mentioned, we we studied Latin. And of course, we read Romeo and Juliet in high mm -hmm. school. Mm -hmm. And so the name Verona, Italy conjures that up, but nothing else. And there's really much more to it than that, isn't there? Oh, yes, of course. Yes, 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 yes. I I say a thing. I, I hope it's not something bad, you know, for my uh, travelers, you know, the, the, the very many that I welcome every year. 
and it is that um, for locals, you know, for locals, uh, Romeo and Juliet is not really a thing. I mean, (laughs) for locals in Italy, not in Italy, but in Verona specifically, Romeo and Juliet is, is, is not a thing, basically. You know, Verona is known in Italy for the Roman arena that we have. We have a stunning Roman amphitheater. I call it the mini Colosseo, the mini Coliseum, like the one in Rome, but way, way more preserved and way, way more used. You know, it, it's really massively used every summer. We have a good weather from say starting from May, beginning of May, all throughout the end of October. And so there are several months, you know, in which we can sit down in the outdoors, you know, by night without chilling. And so in all these months, you know, uh, we use the arena a lot, a lot for mainly opera, opera music, uh, which sounds like a perfect marriage isn't it It (laughs) so a roman venue yeah and an opera italian opera music isn't it (laughs) and then a lot of pop music also you know a lot of of, of american pop stars obviously (laughs) come to to the arena Mm -hmm. i would i would tell you that the interesting thing about us landing in rome is we had flown flights where you fly all night and you don't get any sleep and we're in Rome and we're only going to be there for a day and mm-hmm. we're, we're exhausted sitting in an outdoor cafe next to the Roman Forum. And I was just aware of uh, how much we were going to miss just because we were tired. And I know that's yes. that's one of the main problems in this kind of tourism. We're, by the way, we're 11 time zones from you. So that's the other side of the planet Earth. And, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. But then after we had uh, been there a while, we realized we had lost our last evening in Rome and we were a block away from the opera house and they were playing an opera that Lisa very much would have loved to see. Her mother sang in opera in Dallas, Texas, way back many oh, years ago. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so she has a, a strong classical music history in her life, and we miss uh-huh. it. Um, yes, it's a, it's not easy, right? It's not easy, not even for Italians. We don't really get the 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 the, the, the words, you know, because they are really connected to one yes. another through, you know, the the way they sing. So it's very very difficult. Anyway, it's very dramatic as it has to be. <laughs> And they take two, three hours to die, more or less. Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) Because, no surprise, they always die at the end, isn't it? (laughs) They're dramas. Uh, Tell me how you got into the tour business then. Oh, yes. I had, I was actually at the beginning of my career, right out of college, you know, I was looking for a job, basically. And I applied to a museum, you know, so I I had my degree in uh, Roman archaeology. And so it made sense, you know, that after after my graduation, I applied to a museum, specifically the Archaeological Museum of Verona. 
which has plenty of Roman remains. You know, we are nicknamed the Little Rome or the Rome of the North, you know. But then really, really soon in a couple of months, you know, I realized that either you come from a very wealthy family or you can't really live out of a, out of a job in a museum in Italy. You know, that's super sad, super sad to say and to think, you know. And um, I think that things are right now, after so many years, you know, they are kind of starting to change, but not yet as they should, in my opinion. Anyway, very soon I realized that is not for me. You know, I wanted to, I want to actually, I wanted to work in the communication part of the museum. You know, I wanted to be like a front-end person, you know. I'm a people person. I love to, in spite of being rather shy, especially when I was young, you know, um, I wanted, really, I really wanted to communicate this love, this passion that I had for the old stuff, you know, <laughs> the older the better. <laughs> Uh, but then but then it was not possible to make a living out of it you know and so I applied to as you do you know to other like uh, specifically to an office you know that was providing uh, I remember uh, stewards you know and hostess for the local fair the trade fair you know nothing special something to just to make some money and I had Antonella is her name, and she's still a friend of mine. We're still in touch. And um, I call her my Pygmalion, you know, because she's so the uh, the guide in, my, in me, you know, she's so the guide in me. And since, you know, her office was also um, kind of distributed you know the the tours that got to the to the office um to the verona local guide office uh to the different several guides you know that were at the moment and uh, she said oh my god this is your your cv you know this is your curriculum curriculum you're not a hostess you are a guide and so <laughs> she trusted me you know and she started to give me you know some test tours let's say she 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 um and so she was very important for me she was very important and when i got my license you know there's a very difficult exam to pass in italy to become a local guide i actually um bought her a present because <laughs> It was really, really from her that I got started with this idea. I had never, I had never before thought of working with my English, a language that I loved, that I kept on studying and practicing, but I thought it was for myself. It was for my life and not for my work, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> so that's more or less how it happened, you know? Well, you're... English is excellent. How, how many years did you study or how early did you start studying English in school? And my age, people my age, they start in Italy, they start to, to learn English. Uh, we started to learn English at 11. Yeah. 
But my kids, you know, they started that three, 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 wow. preschool. Yeah, that's great, though. Mm -hmm. As they used to do uh, in the, um, as they have been doing for a lot of time, a lot of years, you know, in the, in the northern European countries, you know, uh, typically Norway, yeah. Sweden, Denmark, you know, they speak an excellent English, and there you can find people, 90, 90 19 18 19 years old with a very good English something that you don't have in Italy but I meet them in my work you know I meet yeah. a lot of northern Europeans I love them and uh and they speak a very good English because they are taught English from very early age if if you speak Italian as your native language and they speak Swedish English is where you both can meet and uh, oh yes oh yes so the very ma vast majority of my travelers you know um they are from the u.s and that's my my niche <laughs> okay but then there are many other groups you know that i can tour with my english yeah northern europeans and and dutch dutch people from the netherlands you know they are another typical group that I yes. can stay with yes talk to yeah I've <laughs> we've traveled in both Netherlands and Sweden and I was just shocked that everywhere I went they understood me and I understood them and I and I'm aware mm -hmm. Americans uh, were labeled way back in the 50s or 60s the ugly Americans because we traveled and expected people to speak our language even though we were in <laughs> their nation so I, I apologize. We <laughs> well, I apologize for all of us. We should study languages from three on as well, and we don't. Uh -huh. How, when did you first hear of interpretation? Oh, oh, that was a kind of a process. So it's hard for me to say when I started to. Uh, it was like an archaeological discover discovery, if you want. You know, it was really a process for me. It was something that I sensed. I sensed at the very beginning that there was something that I needed to know, something that would put together and, and put in order, you know, the amount of expertise, you know, that I had been acquiring over 20 plus years of being staying, staying with people, guiding, delivering cultural programs, you know. And uh, it was not myself only, you know, I have a friend and a colleague, we work together, we run a website together, and we share the same philosophy in delivering our tours. And so it was a, it was a, a process, you know, because you have to know, to know, Tim, that here in Italy, interpretation, I can say that it does not exist. I have, I have met one uh, guide, you know, uh, from Como, on Lake Como. And then I know there's a cluster of other guides in uh, center, central Italy, you know, on a lake. But that's basically it. You know, there are no interpreters. There are no interpreters in uh, Italy. So you imagine that this little girl, you know, looking for um, something, you know, something new after so many years, you know, something to improve my style, my, also the meaning of what I do, you know, it was 
I tell you, it was a joy. It was a joy to discover Dr. Sam Ham's work, he, reading his books, you know, then being um, aware that it was an association and AI, uh, which I had never heard of before, you know, discovering that they had like, like a, a program, you know, a program, incredible. And that there was this theory that was uh, like a, an intersection of psychology and behavioral sciences and uh, even the expertise of so many experts, you know, so many people. And then I give you the Italian perspective on that. And it is these Americans, you know, you Americans that yes. make things so easy, easy, approachable. So, you know, break down processes, you know, and easy to digest books, you know, it was a joy. It was a total joy. It was super. At the same time, I want to share a little bit of, um, of, uh, of the impression of something that is very liquid and a little slippery <laughs> because you, you, you sense, you know, uh, that as all important things in life, it's really a process. You're never there, <laughs> right? That's right. In interpretation, yes. you're never there. So I have, if you tell me interpretation, what is interpretation for you? Number one is pure joy, pure joy. Number two, uh, I'm aware, you know, that is a long, long road. Mm, so it's these two sentiments, you know, combined. It might surprise you that I had the same experience. Mm. I, you know, I'm a biologist by fundamental training, bachelor's and master's in zoology and botany. And I was uh, working as a park naturalist, uh, which is kind of a combination of park ranger and run the visitor center and do tours, take people on guided tours. And I had been doing that for, oh gosh, four years when one of my old professor friends said to me, have you ever heard of this association that has annual conferences? And I said, no. <laughs> and it, back then it was the association. And when was it? When was it? When this was is, it? Do you remember my, more or less? Oh yeah, 1974. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, it was the Association of Interpretive Naturalists, which is a parent organization of NAI. And he said, they've got a meeting coming up in, I forget, October, maybe. Uh, you should see if your organization will send you. Well, the short answer is they did. They paid for my trip to California. Where was it? Where was it? It was, oh, Monterey, California, which is just... Monterey. Yes, yeah. I know. I've been there. Mm -hmm. Oh, beautiful place. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, yes. And for a guy from cornfields of Illinois, it was really spectacular. <laughs> Yeah. Also, only in itself, it was yes. a good experience. <laughs> yeah. And so I get there and I realize I'm with, I'm with some 200 people that do what I do. And mm -hmm. I didn't know there was such a thing as an association that brought us together. 
And then you find out that interpreting our heritage, Freeman Tilden's book was written in 1957. Yeah, amazing. And uh, I'm beginning to discover that there's resources available. Of course, I'm older than Sam Ham, so he wasn't writing books yet. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the uh, excitement for me was the same as yours, that I've, I've found a linkage to something that I needed to know, that uh, leading people to learn about nature or history or culture is not a matter of giving them a thousand facts Mm -hmm. and a lot of dates and all of that they have to have some basket to carry that away and a thematic approach gives them that basket that that brain connection to help them go well what do i do with all this information because this guide has just told me more than i've ever read or heard in just a few moments yeah. now what how do i integrate that and to me, interpretation gives you some ways to help people make a lasting connection. And if you're really good at it, they go read books, watch videos, watch TV shows. They get interested in your subject because you were good at helping them make that connection. Yes. And so I had a similar and kind of feeling about yes. it. Yes, yes, yes. And then there is also a, 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 like a, a side uh, point uh, to that, you know, which is basically, I, I don't think it's um, the most important, you know, thing, but I, I, I really like it and I really appreciate it. And it is this, that after so many years um, delivering tours, you know, working as a guide, you could become a, a, pop, a pop star, like a rock star instead, you know, interpretation it keeps you it keeps you in your role of being a middleman between the resource you know and the people and this is super precious for me it's a very precious it's a very nice place to be in my opinion to be there in the middle you know facilitate and that's it my task is to facilitate to connect you between to connect to to put a connection between yourself, you know, the visitor and the resource. Yes. And that's very good. I mean, in, in itself, I mean, it's uh, it, it keeps you away from risks of being the guide, you know. I never wanted to be the guide, you know, like the Bible, like the gospel. <laughs> well, There's I, not such a thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because I used to teach in a, program in Colorado State University that a Dr. Will LePage taught in. And, and Will would always say, uh, I see a great guide as the voice of the resource, as the ability of the resource to reach out and contact someone. And, and I, yeah. you've expressed that as well. And I, yeah. I, I think there's a, a danger in becoming the rock star and thinking, mm -hmm. well, my tours are about me. They get to know this. <laughs> you don't really want the people to re to remember you. <laughs> you want the people to remember the resource. You know what they saw, what they yeah. experienced. <laughs> that's that that's 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 meaningful delivery of a tour, in my opinion. I think so too. I think many people like you 
who get into guiding are naturally good at doing this in an interpretive manner, that there's a, a natural inclination of trying to help people connect. And for me, uh, formal interpretation training or instruction gave me the tools to get better. It mm -hmm. wasn't that I was terrible before and it flipped me into being good at it. But as you say, it's a process. I, I never feel like I'm there. I always feel like I have more to learn and I have to mm -hmm. pay better. We are all disciples, you know, of interpretation. And that's very challenging and also very interesting, you know, because you're never there. You need to work on yourself. You need to be very thoughtful. You can, you digest things, you know, in a way you digest information and then you're sure that you deliver in the best possible way. And, and it's a, it's nice, isn't it? It's nice. It's, it's very fulfilling in my opinion. Was there anything uh, you recall from the guide course that kind of was especially thought-provoking for you? Um, I would say that, as you were mentioning, you know, there are some of us, you know, that are inclined to, uh, for example, relating, relating the resource, you know, to the everyday experience of you know the audience that is very natural it comes very natural to me and i would use these you know uh, tricks uh well before um encountering interpretation but what um the course you know gave me uh, as a as a very valuable uh add value was uh the general frame you have to do that in a general frame the general discourse the general yes the frame the general frame of all your tour the general interpretation the, the three themes you know that you go that you give yeah yeah i would say that that is what is the add value of interpre interpretation for me having like a greed, you know, like a greed. And you are sure that if you deliver the greed, everything is fine. You know, it gives you peace of mind. <laughs> it gives you peace of mind. And you have um, a very well thought greed, you know, and that's not, that's not dry. And that's not um, keeping a distance, you know, that is on the other, on the contrary, it it's very warm and it tends to, it tends to be very clear for people very clear very welcoming very easy to understand that was the add value for the course uh, of the course for me the pandemic hurt a lot of businesses uh, i know <laughs> a lot of our favorite restaurants in hawaii no longer exist they just they couldn't survive two years with no business. How, how was the this for your tour company? Because people were not traveling the way they normally do. Yeah, we it was a shock, first of all, at the beginning of 2020, at the end of uh, mid of February. We were super happy, Lorella and myself, you know, at Verona Tours, we were super happy. 
and because we had our agendas you know full of of, uh, bookings and reservations you know and lovely people <laughs> coming over for april may june july well into you know the year but then you know um covid hit and we got cancellations you know everything was cancelled basically so that was something that i yeah as everybody you know it was a shock i would say yeah so we went down by 90 percent 90 minus 90% and then 2021 was like I worked 20 percent of what I had worked in 19, in 2019. but then 2022 was very good. It was a very good year. We worked like crazy but you know it was uh, we were not worn out. <laughs> <laughs> we were so willing so willing of having people again it was such a joy you know I was not worn out up to the very end of the season which is basically it's the mid of November mm -hmm. yeah. yeah I just I feel for you because I I'm aware that a small business uh in this field to go two years without your normal income it's a real challenge you dig back into personal resources and try to survive it. But uh, I, I guess I hope, I hope this uh, pandemic event does not return in any other form in any of our lifetimes. Yes. Oh yes. Uh, Hopefully. It's, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's been hard for yeah. everyone. Do you think you approach your tourism groups differently having had more interpretive training? Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Again, not super differently, not totally, I have not totally changed, you know, my, my, my tours. But first of all, there are some parts of town and some parts of the territory, you know, around Verona, we have a very nice lake, not really well known, you know, among Americans, it's called Lake Garda. I love to take tours there because it's it's very different from Lake Como, which is more well known, you know, among Americans, you know. And the fact is that Lake Garda has not a George Clooney, you yes. know. No, we're aware. <laughs> so we would need a George Clooney on Lake Garda <laughs> for making it so popular. Anyway, Lake Garda is very blue, very open, very beachy vibes, you know, so I really like it. I take more tours there and then also the wine tours that we are uh, we have you know uh, Verona is in the area of the Amarone very well known Amarone wine you know one of the most noble and rich and popular wines in Italy and um and so I'm now able to deliver those tours you know uh in a different way uh with a more interpretational twist if you want even if, as you mentioned, as we mentioned before, you know, interpretation is a work in progress. So if I am very confident, you know, in the city of Rona about my interpretation uh, tour, interpretation tours, you know, in the different parts of town, I'm still working at the lake interpretation. I have a, like a, like a, uh, like a frame, you know, I need to still polish it, in my opinion. Instead, for the wine area, I'm I'm very happy and content, you know, what, what I have. 
and yes yes my delivery of, of tours is 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 different and i um, well judging from the reviews i think it's <laughs> improving right i had a, an amazing number of good google reviews you know this year this year 2022 at the past year i'm you know i'm here to make people happy so i hope they are happy and they have good memories isn't it when we are here say, for that yeah when you say reviews are is this TripAdvisor or google what who? not really we don't use trip advisor anymore uh we use google review google business reviews uh when you have the business you have a google page that appears on the right hand side of the screen and there you can leave a review and so that's where you know lately we ask you know our uh, travelers you know to leave the reviews anyway it's um making memories you know i think it's my mission making memories making good memories you know yeah, and um, as as a kid that had traveled a lot, you know, uh, I really keep good memories. You know, when I was a kid, they really transformed transformed my life. You know, and even if, as we mentioned at the very beginning, I've always lived in this city. I am not um, a small town girl. Yeah. <laughs> I am not. I am absolutely not. Uh, because I, well, I traveled a lot. I still travel a lot, you know, with my family uh, when I can, when I can afford it. But anyway, you can make adventures even in, in very close places, you know. But um, yes, um, I really, I really wish, you know, that my travelers you know they can have good memories like this you know and I'm not a small town girl also because I meet so many people I talk to them you know my tours are very personal two people four people you know and uh, at the end of the tour I know a lot about Illinois and a lot about you know the place you come from as you know the place uh, about the place I live in I I was fascinated to hear you say that you were shy as a youngster uh, yeah. One of the funny things we do back when Lisa and I were executive staff at NAI, we would mm -hmm. do an introductory thing at the annual conference where we would ask people who were first time attendees together yeah. in a ball, ballroom and we would talk and we would mm -hmm. do a thing called the markets game where we would say, if you think of yourself as an introvert, go over here. And if you think of yourself <laughs> as an extrovert, move to this side of the room. <laughs> and, the, and the introvert group was always twice as large as the extrovert mm -hmm. group. And yet these people <laughs> are all professional guides, interpreters. Oh, my God. Speakers, making, yes. the, making the point that like you, uh, many people who get into this field are passionate about the resource, about their love for stories for people for cultures for communities mm -hmm. for nature mm -hmm. and they work at overcoming their shyness for the love of what yeah, they do for the, love of, <laughs> for the passion yes. of communicating and i'm, oh, I'm yes. just i'm just the opposite i was the kid in school that the teacher would tell my parents tim talks too much so 
you, you know, go. Tim, I have something that is left to me of the shyness I had when I was a kid. And it is the will and the taste and the joy of listening. Oh my God, I love to listen to people's stories, you know, where they live, what they do. And I really, I really share a lot. I really share and I really listen, you know, it's really a very, a lovely human touch, something that is very enriching for myself, you know, for myself, not only for the person that I take around. Yeah. I think so. Uh, I'm not the small town girl, you know, thanks to my travelers, which I adore. <laughs> well, I had a speech professor who always said, hearing is just a physical process. He said, your little bones in your ear wiggle and stimulate the auditory nerve. He said, listening is a skill and you have to practice it and you have to, you really have to think about how you go deeper into hearing what people are saying and using that to understand where they are, what they believe, what they like, what they care about. Mm -hmm. And I think good yes. interpreters have to become good listeners. Oh my God, I was mentioning that I want to improve my interpretation on Lake Garda tours, you know? And I made the commitment, you know, of listening more to what my travelers suggest when we travel in the area. Because sometimes, you know, ideas, they come from the travelers, you know, and not from you. You keep on thinking about the problem, how to really say a thing. And then the, the, the solution comes from the people you have in front of you that are not professionals, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. When you took the planning course, what kind of, uh, how was that? Was that in any way different from the guide course? I, I know the content is different, the approach. But was there anything in it that kind of stood out as a, a helpful next yes, step? Yes, 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 yes. The, the, the planning course was very different, of course, because you don't really study or you don't really um, uh, want to dig into uh, interpret, interpretive planning because you want to be an interpreter. <laughs> you want to be a planner. Right. So it's less focused. It's less on a on a on a it's less focused on a on a thing, you know, it's more the general view, the overview of a place, of a site, of a I don't know. I I I kept in mind a, a library, a very old um ninth ninth century library that we have in Verona would love to um, be able to interpret you know that site that we have in Verona and um, yeah so Lisa gave us um, tips and not really tips a, a very thought thought out method you know starting to make a plan you know because you're there <laughs> and the and the and the the, the 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 site and the resource can be complicated big or non-organized you know and you need to have a, a method you know on how to start you know to study all the interpretive plan meaning what do you want to deliver what do you want the people to take out, you know, from your resource once they have left, you know, 
And obviously the focus is, is larger, right? It's larger than the, the interpretive guide uh, course, you know? Obviously you need one to do the other, in my opinion. You know, it's hard to take an interpretive plan course without taking the other, the interpretive guide course, in my opinion. And I'm always aware she's just a, a better observer than I am. She sees things that I'm not seeing when we visit a site or go on a tour or uh, do anything. And she also is a better analyst at figuring out what the implications for what she's seeing are for what you might do differently. And uh, I, I ran a visitor center at a state park when I was early years of my career. And uh, I'm aware I made a lot of mistakes because I didn't really know how to analyze how people move through the facilities or what messages they're getting by the physical place itself, how you take care of it, the maintenance, the all the different aspects of managing a site. So I, um, well, for me, traveling with her is a continual education because she sees things I don't see and I'm I see some differences I I grew up with a father who was a salesman and my mother was the more thoughtful analyst and uh, careful planner and so I, I'm afraid I model my father's behavior more of being out front perhaps saying more than I should and I need to listen more <laughs> uh, I'm curious you mentioned something in one of our emails about that you do a team building activity called Safari Incita. What is Incita. that? Safari, Safari is a Swahili lang um, right. word in the Swahili uh, language that is spoken in Kenya. And it means adventure. Hmm? Oh, adventure. Okay. Yeah. So a Safari in the city, it means an adventure in the city. It's an adventure. Oh. Right. That was that was a, a program that I invented. You know, I'm very proud of that. Uh, it was like 12 years ago and um, it has developed into a very funny um, tour that I deliver for kids, you know, aged four to ten, four to ten years old. Uh, it's a very Montessori, um, like Maria Montessori, you know, the very well-known educational method you know that she had kind of a hands-on experience you know for kids and this made me many many small uh, friends you know that I have all over the world <laughs> because we you, you I really feel a connection they really feel a connection with me at the end of every safari so what do we do in the safari we we walk blindfolded we uh, paint, we, we take the water from a fountain, transport, you know, the water elsewhere. And then with a paintbrush, we draw on with water on the cobblestones, you know. Uh, we play tug of war <laughs> under a very old portico. Or we, what do we do? We measure things, you know, we measure an arch and then we compare with another, is this larger, is this mm, smaller, you know, so we, we really have fun. We, we like we observe a statue and then we imagine to place the statue in another 
in another very familiar place like my backyard. Now let's move, you know, this statue in my backyard. Let's move this statue on a skiing slope. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a way of talking to kids or taking kids through the places that the, that the city has, a square, a river bank, a small alleyway, you know, without using uh, the categories of history, art, and all these adult things, you know. <laughs> the funny thing is when I do these with a groups of managers, you know, <laughs> company, company groups, you know, um, um, how do you say corporate corporate groups you know uh, do you know how I had this idea it was like as I mentioned 12 years ago and I was at the at the salon the hair salon uh, reading a magazine when we could read the magazines <laughs> specifically it was Vanity Fair that I think it exists in in the U.S. as well Anyway, there's an Italian edition of Vanity Fair. And I read of a Lonely Planet Guide, the Lonely Planet Guide to Experimental Travel. I said, oh my God, I need to read that book. Uh, it's, it's, it was published, actually. It was a kind of tricky to, go, to get to, 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 to buy it. Anyway, I bought it and I was, oh my God, I was shocked. It was so funny and so diverse and so new. So I tell you some experimental travels that they suggest, you know, in that book. Like you mm, gather with some friends of yours, you know, in a bar on Friday night. You put your house keys in a basket and then you pick, you know, randomly you pick the once, once another keys you know so I pick your house's keys and then I go and spend the weekend at your house wow. <laughs> so I take a bath in your bathtub you know and um and I keep I keep the social um uh, things that you have like a like a theater ticket you know and I go to see what you like Oh my! Uh, things like that, <laughs> isn't that funny? That's amazing. Or, or another that I loved was that you uh, prepare your backpack. Mm -hmm. You you go to the airport, the airport of your of your of your city. Then you take the shuttle bus back to your city with your backpack, and you spend a couple of days as a backpacker in your own city. Oh my! <laughs> very different it's very very um, it it looks like silly things but obviously it's there's a very very serious thought underneath which is uh the the adventure and the travel values are in your eyes not in the sites that you visit right like use new eyes when you uh Look at your own mm -hmm. community. I think that in one of the, my last uh, safari that I made for a bunch of ladies, you know, that wanted to celebrate one of them, you know, that had a very important birthday, I inserted in the different activities, you know, I inserted these uh, 
activity that said, imagine, now, now go to that supermarket and please imagine the life of the people by what they have in their cart. <laughs> oh, okay. that was good. Yeah. <laughs> How would a person coming to Northern Italy find Verona tours? What's the best way to book a tour? What, what tour do you recommend? What do you? Oh, like? oh! Thank you for asking. So, um, I run a website, you know, uh, called Verona Tours. Verona, like the city, Verona Tours. T o t o u r s dot com. Very easy, and there you can find a number of different interpretive tours. You know, um, like I have a comprehensive Verona tour that lasts four hours, and I show you the river and hills and the Roman arena that we mentioned before. Uh, we peek into the Juliet's balcony, of course, you know, because you're, you're in Verona, it's a pity not to see it. Um, and so we delve into the city uh, very, very deep and it's very nice tour. And then, as I mentioned, you know, we have tours on the lake, we have a couple of wine tours, you know, I'm a kind of a, kind of a half sommelier I'm half the way yeah on my becoming a sommelier um and then we have other interesting um tours you know like a remote agri-tour you know in which you go to the paddy fields you know and you have a very non-expected um, a rice-based lunch in a Michelin-starred um, restaurant, you know, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> in a very remote place that you don't really expect, you know, so we are able to surprise people with um, excellent food, you know, wines and lifestyle. And uh, um, yeah, yeah, there are many, many tours that we have on Tours by Locals. We, we, we update them, you know, because again, as interpretation, you know, it's always, it's a work in progress, isn't it? Yes, we yes. have a lovely blog. You can uh, inquire, you can leave, you can leave uh, your, your email for the newsletter that we send out every, every month, actually, once a month. Well, uh, your website's available. And uh, I will tell you that if, if we get a chance to go to northern italy which we've never been to i will mm -hmm. be looking forward to going on one of your tours have you ever been to the big island of hawaii no <laughs> no it's yeah it's something that i would love to but it's so expensive from italy oh my god it's one of the most expensive uh trips you know that you can do basically <laughs> i i am yeah. very very well aware of that well let, just let mm -hmm. me say if you were able to come here we would love to see you and show you yeah yeah let me say that zoom is fantastic because after so many hours we spent you know on zoom for the different courses you know i kind of um, i i i think that i know you in person but i i've never met you actually <laughs> well someday i hope Magic we get to of zoom, of zoom you know yeah i hope we get to meet beyond zoom in real person oh yeah so thank you for joining me on the podcast today and it was a pleasure my pleasure mm -hmm. I, I wish you only the best with your future tours i know they must be incredible 
and I, I look forward someday to joining you on one. Oh, grazie, Tim. That was sweet. Grazie mille. Ciao. And... Ciao. Goodbye. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining me and Valeria today for this conversation. My guests next week will be Stephanie Watson and Ashley Weiland of Pinellas County Department of Solid Waste in St. Petersburg, Florida. They use interpretive approaches to communicating with diverse audiences about the tremendous challenges in solid waste management and recycling. They recently joined us for a certified interpretive guide course via Zoom, and we got a little bit acquainted. By the way, our next virtual CIG course is May 1st and 11th, and you can learn more about it at interpnet.com on NAI's certification calendar. Also, Lisa will teach a virtual interpretive planning course from May 22nd to 25th, followed by a four-hour contract management course on May 26th, all via Zoom, so you can take it from your home or office. The details and registration form are at heartfeltassociates.com slash training. I owe a debt of gratitude to Mark Stoffel, a mandolinist, for permission to use his Frost on a Pretzel from his Coffee and Cake album. As a lifelong so-so mandolin picker myself, I admire his amazing artistry. If you have an interest in being on Reflections on Interpretation, just contact me at timfmerriman at gmail.com and I'll get back to you. Have a wonderful day. Aloha. Aloha.